Tuan Syekh. Um, selamat petang. Ini Hazim ataupun Ajim. Um, I am uh, Bugis Malay Chinese um, anthropology scholar um, from Nusantara. Mm -hmm. And I am a, an artist and law student residing in Treaty One territory. And I'm Metis. And Jack, oh, and my pronouns are Dia, they, them. And my pronouns are she and her. And, well, we had set aside time for an intro. So let's talk a little bit about what this podcast is about. Um, Jack, do you want to give yeah, a little Yeah, sure. Review? So basically, this podcast was born out of a conversation that we had over dinner with a bunch of friends, I believe. Uh, it was like a fun little Zoom call. And I think we decided to run with it because uh, you and I were both really into talking about sex and love and dating and all that sort of thing and the, um, the societal implications, the psychological um, interplays, like the, the colonial realities of what it means to date mm -hmm. in, our, in our society here on Turtle Island specifically and overseas as well. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I've got. No, that's that's yeah. It was born out of out of a Zoom Zoom dinner, which is weird to say, but yeah, like, <laughs> Zoom dinner. Um, but it was really fun. It was really cute, and I really love the way that that you can still grow relationships um, through Zoom or whatever yeah. online platform. Um, and so that yeah, that was that was uh, the the seed for our our podcast. Um, we're still feeling it out. We're still figuring it out, but we already have an amazing guest who said yes. Yeah, so excited. Um, so yes, we'll have more guests, but this is just gonna be us um, giving an intro into you know a peek into our world and our worldview um, on sex, love, dating um, from our intersections. So, um, before we started recording, Jack had asked me to pull up um, the definition of romance through Google. Mm -hmm. I'm reading it out here. It's a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. This is according to Oxford languages. That is, that is really, really creepy. <laughs> No, why is it creepy? Tell me. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just I'm laughing and I'm asking. I I think the word mystery. It's it's not why I fall in love. I fall in love when I figure shit out. Yeah, that's fair. That's real. Right, mystery is associated with danger or somebody who's going to be violent towards you or you know like mm. your experience of whatever or invalidating or. I don't need yeah. that mystery. I don't want to date somebody. And then five dates down the line, I find out, I don't know, they support Trudeau <laughs> or Trump, you know? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I, I definitely, I relate to that. I know for myself when I've been out in the dating scene looking for a snag or a relationship or something, it's always a concern like safety wise and everything, mm -hmm. trying to figure out and suss out the other person or people to see what they're really about because there's a, a lot wrapped up in in putting yourself out there um, when it comes to dating. And there's like, there are a lot of dangers. There's a lot of great things too, but it helps to be, I think, realistic. And mm -hmm. when, I, when I think of that definition, what was it again? Mystery and excitement yeah. in relation to love. Associated with love, yeah. Associated with love, yeah. So I find that really interesting because I, my definition of love is similar to yours where it's like, it's something very stable and it's something that isn't even um, like necessarily to do with, like it's almost like ro love is the umbrella and then romance is just one of the, the spokes underneath 
mm-hmm. in the umbrella. Like love is actually an entire way of being and romance is just one, one expression of that way of being. Yeah. So yeah, I find that interesting, like mystery and excitement, I guess like when you get the butterflies, it's fun and everything. Um, but it, then there needs to be something more that comes up after. Right. So. Yeah. I, I remember in uh, one of my, my very first social psych undergrad class years ago, um, because I took forever to finish my degree, but um, it, it was it was the prof was her research was about love and romance. Now psychology mm. has a lot of problems with its research design and its applicability. Right. Um, one of the, the the things she had people what she invited people to do was at the end of every class you could submit a question about the psychology of love. Mm. And one of the questions was, it was a very binary way of, of framing it. Like, you know, what's the difference between love uh, for a man and for a woman? Um, that in itself is pretty, you know, it's 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 problematic. By the way, I'm non-binary. I use the, they, them. Um, but the, the, the answer that she provided um, was, oh, um, men take how many, how many seconds to fall in love and women take this many seconds to fall in love and men actually fall in love faster, apparently, right? Hmm. Um, and that's, it's, it's, it sounded so unsustainable to me and I wondered how applicable it was to my context because, um, yeah, you know, like I personally, I take forever and I am pretty guarded and I think that's partly because of my intersections and the experiences and the challenges and the oppressions. But um, I, I think even maybe without the oppressions, I wouldn't just be so quick to, you know, like to throw myself mm-hmm. at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that leads to another um, question or reality for a lot of people. It's like, there's, I think all these underlying assumptions that everyone is going to love the same way everyone's going to love the same type of people and they're going to show that love in the same way and if Mm -hmm. they don't then that's outside of the norm and maybe not either maybe or definitely not socially accepted even though it's a valid way of expressing oneself with love even though it's bringing light and joy into the world it's not harming anyone yeah Um, and so, yeah, I think there's there's just a lot to unpack when we talk about this sort of thing. And I'm really glad we're talking about it because <laughs> it can get really dizzying sometimes. I don't know. It's a, it's a really interesting subject to discuss, I think. It is. And I'm looking at the definition like further where like there's the, the definition I provided um, on Google, that was a noun. And so the verb of romance is to woo or to court somebody. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking the difference between romance and love is that romance is, is really just a chase, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And, and love, is, love is not limited to romantic kind of love. Um, mm-hmm. But love is sort of the sustained feeling of wanting mutual care for somebody and you know Mm. maybe that's uh, yeah I I have a hard time really defining love because it can be so nebulous but I mean I obviously know it when I feel it right yeah um and I know yeah and I know when I'm not in love right like um (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think with the word romance for me, it just comes across as like it's 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 unappealing to me because all it is is just but I'm also jaded by the way. I'm so jaded with like the whole chase. Yeah. Like I, I cannot I cannot pretend I care about you having I don't know, like a suburb sub, you know, escape in Barry and you go to the lakes for the weekend in your cottage like I don't give a shit about that and like I don't want to pretend <laughs> that that's interesting in small talk you know yeah but yeah and that's that's the thing is everyone everyone has their own like 
interpretation and experience of love, I think. And mm -hmm. that's that's also something I think we both wanted to talk about is how how love gets expressed because I know for myself growing up, what I was shown as as love, I I later discovered was not really <laughs> entirely love. And it's let it's led me on a really intense but ex extremely um enlightening like mm -hmm. path of path of healing and that sort of thing and having to teach myself what love actually means and looks like and um kind of grappling with this idea that maybe the people who showed me what it meant to love didn't learn either mm. and then on the flip side, meeting people who have shown me love in ways that help me grow and become my best self and being able to differentiate the two has been really, really amazing. And, and um, something that I didn't think I really ever expected, honestly. Yeah, you just brought up something like you just reminded me of uh of all the like in terms of the people who showed you love and showed me love like all the labor that goes into shaping somebody's like grounded sense of of love um later on as an adult or maybe you reached there earlier but i certainly reached there i mean it's not it's not a final destination but yeah I'm, you know like but the my point is that there's so much labor from loved ones from kin family friends um into showing you know how to love and how to be loved mm -hmm. um i mean i know like jack you're definitely one of those people um mm -hmm. yeah there's this like you know like when i would have uh you know problems in a relationship or whatever um like confiding in you you know just that mm -hmm. kind of process showed me that one i didn't need to hinge all my needs on one particular partner Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and two, it blurred the lines between what is like a romantic partner and what is like the kind of love and affection I have for my my friends around me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I definitely have a similar experience where when I when I was like being raised as a kid and then like socialized as um, like I was living in a world where everyone assumed I was a straight person mm. and um, and living in that reality was really, well, it was quite toxic, frankly, but also it really warped, I think, who I really was in terms of what I could expect in terms of love that I would not only share with others, but what I would receive mm. in return. And, and so like this idea of like, what the late like the labor you were talking about and everything I think there's definitely something to be said about how like women femmes um being taught that we're supposed to be martyrs for other people mm -hmm. and and to be vessels for for other people to kind of put all of their hard feelings into and then it gets transformed into something akin to healing and then we're kind of left there like well where is the reciprocity type of yeah. deal? And of course that reciprocity does happen. I think it's what's brought us all to this point, but there's definitely an imbalance there. And I guess it even ties into like that chasing aspect, right? It's like, well, if you don't know the definition of love and you're, you're kind of engaging in this quote unquote romance, um, you may actually just end up be chasing a situation where you're you're just looking for healing it's not even it's love but it's not it's not um maybe as as healthy or yeah. maybe the fact that it's not healthy makes it not love and just something else i don't know but yeah it's interesting uh -huh. to think about yeah that's true like thinking of and even like the the chase what are you chasing because i feel like a lot of people are just chasing tropes you know yeah or like that whole idea of conquering and stuff like you and I we talk about colonialism all the time and and everything and like um this notion of 
of land and bodies needing to be mm-hmm. claimed and and deemed like property of someone maybe not even like act like actually physically or in the sense of like the way that it's been in history but more in like an abstract way now where it's kind of like this this underlying assumption of monogamy of of um like the two people eventually living together in the same home having a family together that nuclear family situation like this this bond like assumed prescribed bonding that happens and people are chasing that and like they stake their claim on a person and it's usually like cishet men who are expected to do that and so it's almost like a weird unintentional maybe recreation of that that notion like the things that you chase are are just that they're things you're you're not being viewed as a person yeah you're reduced to whatever the person imagined and the thing is people aren't very imaginative because a lot of times when you're positioned <laughs> to power you're just your your imagination comes from tropes like colonially mm-hmm. um you know informed tropes which are really racist are really sexist really ableist you know like it's it's I can't tell you how many times that I've come across a white guy that typically a cis white man who imagines me as sort of the the queer equivalent of a submissive Asian woman oh gosh right um and it's not an uncommon thing there's 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 a lot of work out there as to why Nazis neo-Nazis whatever you call them um, white supremacists love having Asian women as their partners. Um, oh. And this extends over, it is, a, like you said, it's about domination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about submissiveness, um, while at the same time occupying a space of um, hypersexuality, right? Yeah. And at least for me, it, it's, it's hypersexualized um, tropes, but also this it's almost like when I come across somebody who views me that way, they also imagine at the same time an easy white picket white picket fence as if like when we meet, I'm gonna be so like I'm salivating over their whiteness mm-hmm. um, so that I want to be married and you know just be that that you know do- docile partner. It, and it's it's funny when I reflect on it, but it's so true and it happens time and time again with with cis white men. Um, when they meet me and you know I used to have a sense of pride about this but now I'm just disgusted so um, because I'm not human to them yeah yeah that's just not not fair in any way it's like I always think of oppressive dynamics as twofold so there's the injury that happens to the person who's oppressed but there's also this weird like injury that happens to the oppressor where they're like doing it to themselves they're shooting themselves in the foot so to speak yeah because it's like when you exert that kind of malice or arrogance or greed over someone you're 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 also preventing your own ability to connect with people and like it, that's why that's why so many of these like shitty dynamics that exist in society make no sense to me because it's just no one no one deserves to be treated in a way where they feel dehumanized or objectified and certainly yeah. not in the context of dating or love when you're expected well when you, when it actually requires you to be vulnerable with yeah. other people in a way that I think we've been taught you're not supposed to be vulnerable with friends, for example. Um, And I think because things are constructed that way, people fall into this, uh, this trap basically of projecting their desires onto other people. Yeah. And then also trying to find a way simultaneously to be vulnerable, to get to that sort of perfect love but it can't exist when you have all these things going on. And the only thing that I can come up with to remedy that is just um, like kind honesty, if that makes sense. Like 
this this idea where um, people, especially people in positions of power, need to like just sit down and and not like make assumptions and not take a position where they're they're placing all their expectations and desires onto someone who for all they know never even asked for it sort of like what you were describing before and Mm. then when people start acting like if people were to start acting with more humility then that would allow people who face more oppression um within their intersecting identities to be like like well I would assume it just it creates a space where there's less fear and more love can happen. And that's not to say that like I'm advocating for, for people to cross their own boundaries or anything. I'm, I'm trying to say like, there's, there's a lot of people with a lot of power who are not using their power in the right ways. And there's, and it's creating harm to people who don't deserve it. And in fact need like, who should get all the support and should get all the love because there has been historical and ongoing trauma created by oppression. And it shouldn't be on people who are oppressed to kind of love their oppressor, oppressors to heal, like to, to the point of healing so that the oppressors are like, oh, never mind, like we've changed our ways. No, it should be like people yeah. who experience oppression live in a world where they are safe to love themselves and love each other and not have any oppressive systems dictate that because at this point in time it's been like it's it was old the day that it started in terms of like oppression right like it should never have happened and yeah and and the lesson here is not like not to go out and like I'm gonna solve racism by dating a white person and making it okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, um, I see a lot of posts on Instagram, social media, where you know if it's like a hashtag interracial, or whatever. There's like whole accounts just to be like, just just revolving around this idea like racism is. They're not saying racism is solved, but every time there's like a um there's a a black lives matter you know news news coverage whatever they're gonna post like a bunch of like white guys with gay with um with black guys and they're both gay Mm -hmm. and they'll be like look we're not racist and it's just so icky and that is not how you solve racism um but yeah like you know oppression was old even before it began like it was and the Mm -hmm. you know and navigating it is tiring so imagine the labor of having to constantly educate and in a lot of situations and i've been in a situation not just educating but biting your tongue and keeping your head low because Mm -hmm. you are trying to um pick your battles you know yeah and and that's that's really really exhausting and when you're engaging with somebody who has all these expectations like at least for me like to be submissive because I am quote unquote Asian, um, you know, it's, it's, and not speak up um, because I am quote unquote mm-hmm. Asian. Um, it feels really, yeah, I, I, I think, I know, like that labor, I, part of me, it's sad, but I think I have to accept that um, moving forward, if I'm going to date somebody in a higher position of power, um, I, don't know whether I'll ever be able to fully assert myself, you know? Hmm. What do you, so what do you mean by that? I think like in situations where um, like one of my intersections is sort of, you know, being pressed down upon, um, mm-hmm. drawing a boundary or asserting myself you know and or seeking accountability can be really really hard with somebody in a high position of power where at at the at the least they're not malicious but they're still imposing harm at the most um it is an intentional thing right Mm -hmm. 
Um, but either way on that spectrum, it can be really, really hard to, to, to kind of hold your ground um, and heal from that. I, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Like for me personally, the idea of love, I feel like I already have it with a lot of non-romance um, people in my life mm-hmm. and so I separate that from sex which sex I feel like I don't know I can pre- I can get pretty um, easily like I post aspects all the time and I you know I get people yeah. in my DMs <laughs> you know just saying like beautiful ass and I'm like you know I can get sex on tap um, and I yeah. separate that from love uh, so for mm-hmm. me it's like why what is what is the necessity of relationships? So that's, that's my next question, I guess. It's like, what, I don't say necessity, but what do you seek in a relationship and why do you seek a relationship? Mm. Oh, wow. These are like big questions. Um, well, for me and what I've been taught by um, my, my dad and other, my aunties, um, is the necessity of relationship is literally like thrive-ins, not just, I think some people will automatically default to like the idea of survival, especially mm. with indigenous people. And like you've studied at, at like you're in a, the anthropological context of like academia, right? Where it's like indigenous people are so often portrayed as like living in an age where like doomsday is around the corner and like our we could go extinct at any moment because we're just hunters and gatherers and all this other bullcrap that just is not relevant or true um and so when I think of relationships I think of so many connections that I have situations that I've been in where I've interacted with a person or people and just felt at ease I didn't have my guard up. I didn't have any worries at all. I didn't feel like I was at risk of, of being like attacked as, as extreme as that might sound. Um, I just felt very safe and I felt safe Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable. And I'm someone who is, is able to show my vulnerability to whoever is around me yeah um but I, I know a lot of people aren't and so that's why I really value healthy relationships with people is because it, it's a space where I can just kind of like that that exhale feeling of just being able to relax mm-hmm. and not and not worry about anything um so yeah it's really, yeah, relationships are what have carried me through the lowest of the lows that I've ever experienced in my life. Moments where I thought that I was not going to come back from, frankly. Mm. Um, and so relationships are something that I hold very dear as a result. Um, and then what was your, what was your second question? Well, I, I think I, the main I was seeking um, why why seek a relationship when you can have your other like the needs we often associate with relationships mm-hmm. with like a, a friends and that. so like why why a romantic relationship right like what is why do we yeah. see it as a necessity um, if if it, if it's seen as a necessity you know mm-hmm. well I think it comes back to like what we've talked about already is this social conditioning this Euro Euro colonial view that the reason why humans exist is to procreate and follow a a Christian faith and have X amount of kids to proliferate Mm -hmm. um, the race basically and, and, and the religious views and everything. Um, But I think for me, my beliefs run very contrary to that where I was forced basically um, to create my own family mm-hmm. because the one that I was raised in had a lot of love, but it was also quite volatile. And 
and I didn't have anyone in my family who felt like they were on a similar path as me in terms of discovering my um like my bisexual identity mm-hmm. um like having an interest in learning what it means to be Métis that sort of thing learning more about my family's history and figuring out how to contribute to the um reassertion and um reassertion of like Métis rights and identity and and contribute to decolonial love and action and thought so I think yeah because there's this expectation that everyone is supposed to fall in love with their one person um it just creates a situation where friendships are placed lower in a hierarchy and I completely disagree with that because when I think throughout my whole life to times where I needed someone the most it was not it was it wasn't actually my romantic partners that were there for me it was my friends for the most part um it was people who I'd had an established relationship of like several years at least um coming and like being with me and sharing in Mm -hmm. in my struggles and my triumphs not just on I like lines of identity but also just I think just being in the same place at the same time for that amount of time and creating that rapport and that foundation that was really important and I think that's something that like is prioritized a lot more in friendship is the idea of establishing trust first and and kind of looking at the at the longer picture whereas with romance it's kind of and love in the dating sphere it's like you find someone and boom you it's like love at first sight or like um you start off as like friends with benefits or something and then and then it escalates if you're lucky like and even that like the fact that there's that rhetoric of if you're lucky like why why is there that distinction between friendship and romance because for a lot of people um romance just is not as uh, as prevalent due to like the like the reality of oppression and and like um the politics inherent with love and romance and all that stuff yeah i i'm 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 more i don't know if i'm more jaded than you but i definitely feel more wary of being in love um because of I don't expect anybody to be perfect in a relationship like that, you know, that I'm in. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't expect someone to just meet all my needs. The one thing I seek from a romantic partnership um, is the same as what I seek from my friends is that I seek uh, humility and decentering when needs to be decentered and holding me accountable when it needs to be, you know, Mm -hmm. that needs to be done as well. So it's, yeah i and yeah like i don't that boundary between friends and and lovers like there is a boundary i'm not gonna romanticize it haha see what i did there um (laughs) i'm not gonna romanticize it yeah um but i i would i have to be real that there is a distinction at least in how i operate you know Mm -hmm. um with with a partner and with a friend part of that is definitely tied to sex um yeah. I think I'm the sort of person that has a hard time um like engaging in in you know like sex with just a friend. I think there's a level mm-hmm. of intimacy that I do kind of only allow for you know people that I might be developing a romantic relationship with. Mm-hmm. And that's that for me is one distinction that I kind of make. And I I know there's lots of different ways of conceptualizing what is a friend, what is a lover. And some people, you know, like have a lot of sex with friends. And as long as it's consensual, that's fantastic, right? Um, I think for me, 
I I don't trust very easily. So, uh, I yeah, with intimacies is very much. That's that's one thing that, well, sexual intimacy. You know, like mm-hmm. um, that's something that a romantic partner, like my romantic partner, would have over my friends. Um, yeah. Like. Yeah, like a romantic partner can come up to me and say, hey, can you suck my dick? And like, <laughs> you know, while I'm cooking. Just like that, huh? I mean, whether I say yes or no, that's another matter. Yes, that's of course. Yeah. Episode, but, <laughs> um, in terms of, like, I wouldn't, you know, like a friend, if a friend did that, I, I do think as much as I like to come across as progressive or whatever, but like, I do think I'd do a little double take and say mm-hmm. what like you know I just have like like and then I would feel uneasy about that friendship you know because yeah. the boundaries been crossed mm-hmm. I don't know like yeah. are, are there are there distinctions for you that might be unique to you um between a romantic um interests and um a mm. close friend So I'm a very spiritual person and that's, I think, what I've just come to describe the way that I approach all my relationships with anyone, romantic, platonic, sexual, whatever. Um, And as you were talking, I, I definitely relate to what you're saying about having friends kind of approach you in the same way as like a romantic partner would or try to do so and kind of doing a double take Mm -hmm. and for me that I think what that ultimately signals is like the idea of boundaries and like the the communication that's already been established between people and like negotiating what that particular relationship looks like between you and another person Mm -hmm. and so for me I've I've had to like constantly think about that because um, I've explored non-monogamy and I've heavily like investigated why I um, seem to default to monogamy and what my motivations are for dating in the first place and that sort of thing because I get so much fulfillment from my friendships. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm still not entirely sure because there's so many different factors that come into it. Like I think about how I've been socialized to find a husband and have kids and get a career, but not too long, not for too long because I have to tend to my family later. Right. And, um, and so I, I think I've internalized some of that. I, I fully admit that. And I think it's really difficult for people not to, frankly. Um, but then I consider the fact that throughout my life, as I said before, I've constantly, pri- I, I prioritize my friendships above romantic connections because um, I guess maybe there's a part of me that's learned over the years that it's easier to trust friends than it is to trust romantic partners. Um, And then, but then I ask myself, well, why is that? Why does it have to be that way? And now I'm in a place in my life where I'm like, well, what, like, what is the difference between a friendship and a romantic connection and something more casual? Like, like, what is, what is the difference? And I think ultimately it's like, it's whatever I want it to be and whatever the other person agrees to because I really I don't think I know the difference anymore um it's it's usually a combination of like whether there's like physical attraction and like the chemistry um on an emotional level or intellectual level um if if there's just like an ease between communicating with the other person and just being with them and that sort of thing it's so it like the word you used before nebulous like it's so difficult to pinpoint and it's usually what happens is I just follow my gut honestly and I I talk to the other person and figure things out from there um and it seems like through my now analyzing all these different angles I kind of just have come to the conclusion that it's not possible to find 
a specific reference point. Yeah. Like there's just so many, so many gray areas for me and it ebbs and flows and eventually things find a rhythm, so to speak, and then progress from there. I like that. I like, I like the idea of like, it is really whatever you want it to be. And that nebulous nebulousness um, is maybe a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. because it allows you to have space for how you want to conceptualize um, and how you can coordinate and negotiate, um, you know, like what it means with another person. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, we're talking a lot about like things that need to be worked on and things like that, but I did want to like switch to what are things that have have worked and what like you know just mm. enter a moment of bliss where we kind of either reminisce or talk about or reflect on things that have worked and lovely things that lovely people that we've had romances or, or love with um at least for me i think to today I, I posted something on instagram thinking about my first queer love um edward um definitely not from twilight um, <laughs> fuck that you read my mind <laughs> <laughs> it's funny um yeah uh and edward was 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 mixed as well and uh, like i'm mixed by the way like you know bookies malay chinese and edward was um was mixed chinese um and iban from um kuching sarawak and mm. i I didn't just it was it was so lovely because he wasn't a Muslim and we started dating around um Ramadan, which is a fasting okay. month for Muslims. And so we would go to the food court in Kuala Lumpur, the top floor of this place called Bajaya Times Square. Um there's a there's a roller coaster inside the 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 mall. It was amazing. Anyway. Oh, wow. Um, and we'd wait for the Azan prayer calls because the Maghrib prayer calls signal that it's time to break fast, right? Mm-hmm. And we would wait with our food. And it was such an exhilarating queer love because um, really, like, I don't know, like, at first I was uneasy, but the way we broke fast was we would go to the, the toilet of of um, that mall and just make out while the Azan prayers like blasting in the background. And I, that, that to me was, was, was love because he kind of taught me how to imagine, cause that was my first queer love. Right. And before that I, I had mm-hmm. a very like heteronormative idea, very colonial as well. Um, yeah. Idea of what I needed, like if I wanted love, what I needed to do and who I needed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. here's this person um teaching me not through any like specific lessons but just through like getting me comfortable validating me a little like brushes mm-hmm. in my hair and kissing on on my shoulder you know like and this is in spaces where queer you know queer love is not accepted and very much oppressed that he mm-hmm. was giving me this um and so today i was just thinking about that and remembering edward very fondly um and just thinking about yeah just just that that for mm-hmm. me was a very good experience it um and we only ended it because it was because of me like i was very overwhelmed with because back home we we go at a different pace when it comes to romance and i had just returned mm-hmm. from the u.s so it was a little fast for me yeah um so i had the americanized kind of um version of 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 how a romance should unfurl um but mm. yeah so i i was, that's a healthy example i think of someone um kind of negotiating with me coordinating with me um what a romantic relationship could be like in a healthy way right yeah absolutely um what about I love that that's thank such you. a nice story <laughs> oh thank you well how about you Well, I just want to say I love that you took the conversation there because I often do the same. I like talking about 
I like talking about all truths, not just the difficult ones, but the ones that bring us peace and joy and, and happiness. And um, so I really appreciate you doing that, Marcy. Um, I think actually while listening to your story, there were flashes in my mind of, of moments where I, I was dating people and there were just really nice moments of like tenderness. And I think those stood out for me because I, I learned from a very young age that the world is a very cruel and unforgiving place. Mm -hmm. despite, despite the fact that I lived in relative privilege, quite frankly, I, I, I had this strange, <laughs> uh, it, like deep knowing that the world is not fair as it currently is. And I, and that I should be afraid of it um, and vigilant all the time. And so when I had these moments where I just felt safe and able to, to like relax my body and, and just enjoy the moment for what it was, those were the times where I just, they really stick with me. Um, and those are, those are the moments that I appreciated the most. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of specific times though. I know there was one moment I had I was dating someone and I went to Manitowabi powwow with them and some of their relatives. And that was uh the day that I heard a big drum for the very first time. I think I was 19 or 20. And uh they were standing next to me and I think we were holding hands or something and Aww. They just looked over and they saw me crying <laughs> quietly. They're like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, I'm having a moment. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, this is, I don't know. This just feels like home. And um, yeah, it was, it was such a nice moment because I was sharing, I was also sharing it with someone who is part of a similar culture to mine. Like they, their, their status from a, a reserve outside of uh, Winnipeg. Um, and also to spirit. And so we had, we had this like understanding and it was one of those moments where like, it wasn't the, the typically prescribed in the media um, to spirit suffering that everyone assumes is just the de facto way that relationships occur. It was, in fact, actually a moment of connection in the, in the most like gentle and affirming way, where it was just literally my partner at the time standing next to me as I cried, as Aww. I took like the first step to actually reconnecting with a part of myself that I was never raised with at least not fully and not raised with in the sense that I was taught to be proud of it. It was kind of just like that part of me that was put aside. So it was a really, like, it was a very pivotal moment. And I think those are, yeah, the, the tenderness, but then also those, those moments where it felt like a, a piece of myself was being revisited and reintegrated into my consciousness. Those that was are like, so nice. Those are like the moments that I really, carry with me all the time oh yeah it's it's i don't know like that that's what you touched upon something that i was like yes yes because it, it like really kind of sparked something in me because um and and, and it was the the idea that we're always suffering mm -hmm. and you know i've been on several boards and ngos and you know volunteered here and there and in the nonprofit world, um, if you're oppressed, you're not just like your suffering is capital, right? Yeah. And I always hear it about, you know, queer, two spirit, um, you know, non binary, just trans, like just, oh, like stories are just, we're just, we're just suffering. That's all the time. And I think mm -hmm. it's important to address and work. Um, to alleviate the oppression, but we're not, we should not be reduced to that because like your story and my story, there's so many beautiful moments of 
of of of healing and we're not even actively resisting but our queerness or the way we conceptualize reconceptualized uh, romance and love is a form of resistance mm-hmm. um yeah i i i really like that idea of um and we'll have plenty more episodes to delve into this but um yeah, like maybe to 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 close off because we are nearing an hour. Uh, maybe each of us can share a little anecdote, uh, a little story, something validating about um, maybe some you know something romantic or something lovely that someone did for you recently, or you know a positive experience oh. that you had. Yeah, like maybe during the pandemic. Oh wow. Um... Hmm. I think something really sweet that um, someone did was they wrote me a letter and hid it in a book. And I was able to, as I was going through some stuff later on, I I reread it. And that was really nice. It was kind of like, it was interesting to read it after so many months had passed. Mm-hmm. And to sort of see where that connection is now versus then. And then another moment that I had, it was actually very sweet and very like wholesome. Um, I'd been talking to someone online and they just decided to send me flowers to wow. make me happy because they knew that I was having a bad day. And I thought that was really sweet because um, I think it, they were in a in a situation where it required a bit more effort to do mm-hmm. but they they made the effort anyhow just to to show that they were interested and it was it was nice to know that someone was putting that 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 emotional labor and and care into into me oh i i yeah. love How i love you? the note in the book that that's just so like movie like yeah <laughs> um I, I think I, I, I like in terms of lovely and and just swelling me with lots and lots and lots of feelings like just gushing with with love and affection is, um, is the ways during the pandemic that I've stayed in touch with people um, in Winnipeg Treaty One. Um, so for those who don't know, um, I moved to Toronto, um, almost well I guess it's over a little over one and a half years ago to pursue my master's. So I graduated recently, um, but I did spend over six years when Winnipeg Treaty One and, and it was, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am a child of Winnipeg, right? And I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've made some amazing connections, including you, Jack. Um, and over the pandemic, the way people have put an effort to keep, like, I'm terrible at responding to messages. You know this because yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you'll send a meme, or you'll know you'll send like five or ten memes, and I'll respond in like three weeks, and I'll like check off each meme. I like I'm looking at them and I'm appreciating each one, but that's how terrible I am, right? Um, I'm I making. Still love you. I still love you too, and 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 I think. And, and it's just, it's very, like, I need to make a bigger effort on my part. That's like one of my resolutions and whatnot. Um, but the way people have just understood that sometimes I don't have capacity to mm-hmm. on, but still make, you know, the space, like keeping their door open for when I do. And um, like, I'm quick to respond if somebody like needs me on the spot. So I will say yeah. that. Um, but that's been been lovely and my birthday was was um almost two months ago and like people just sending me i don't know just like really sweet notes and just little things here and there and i just kind of and and just like you know skyping every week or every other week or just like cooking together is like i know this pandemic has been really hard um i've lost two loved ones um to covid and and but like I realized that one, my prior experiences as being stateless did prepare me for all this like virtual stuff, but mm-hmm. that relationships can still grow and develop um, in a healthy way. Um, 
you know, over, over Zoom. And mm-hmm. that's been really touching um, to see the amount of effort and care that people put into um, not just sustain, but to continue nourishing connections that, mm-hmm. that we have. And um, I'm just, and a lot of these connections are Treaty 1, Winnipeg Treaty 1, because I don't know, like, I think I think Winnipeg is a special place. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, so actually, I now that you've said this, I think another another thing that has come up a lot for me is friends just unexpectedly giving me food. Um, <laughs> that's been, and even even you accidentally sending those four, <laughs> those four, tell those story. four smoothies. <laughs> um, it's been really nice to to know that there's people around who just feel comfortable dropping by and or or if they're out of province like some like you and um some of my other friends who sent me food for my birthday and then people here sending me stuff like that that's been really nice too like if you if people can't like obviously not everyone can can do that sort of thing there's economic barriers but I think um people making an effort to send like there like some something from themselves to another person whether it's like like you said kind words or energy or or food like that's that's been really nice too and really heartening Aww. but yes please sh- share the smoothie story <laughs> well so for jack birthday um i had what did i order you um spicy noodle house yes yeah <laughs> um so i got our spicy noodle spicy house beef that was that was um for her birthday and and then i had saved the address on my skipped editions uh account and so a few nights ago i was just feeling like i'm really lazy and i rarely have food in my fridge because i i make it my make an effort to not buy everything at once in terms of groceries because I'll finish everything at once. I just have this terrible mentality where I'm just going to finish everything at once. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have anything, but I was craving a smoothie. I'm like, okay, well, it's so late. I'm going to get something from McDonald's, I guess. McDonald's is evil, but I just I just wanted a fucking smoothie. Yeah. Um, so I ordered two smoothies and it showed that it was kind of arriving and the driver even texted me saying, hey, I dropped off your food. And I said, thank you. And then I went out and I'm like, where is it? And I um, I got really frustrated with the skip um, customer service. Why is this driver saying that they delivered my food and the skip person is just, you know, like, I, we don't know, but um, <laughs> like skip credits. Um, and then I was like, fine, but you know, then I reordered the same thing. Um, and then same thing happened where I got a text saying, Hey, I delivered your food and I go out again and it's not there. Um, and I know the raccoons didn't take it. They typically only steal like burgers and and Popeyes, but they they won't take, um, uh, uh, smoothies off the porch. So I got frustrated again, and then I went back to my skip account and realized that, oh yeah, the address is is was yours, Jack, and <laughs> and you you got four smoothies that night. Uh, <laughs> I did you did you drink them all? So this is where it gets interesting. Um, I re- retrieved the smoothies from my doorstep to my apartment block and I was thinking about it and I realized I couldn't have any of the smoothies because I had just eaten and I was totally full. Like there was, there was no way that I was gonna be able to have those without suffering a, a huge stomach ache. Yeah. So I messaged the group chat that I'm a part of and I said, hey friends, funny story. I've got four <laughs> smoothies here. <laughs> does anyone want them? I'll drop them off. And then uh, sure enough, someone said, yeah, I'll take them. And so I went over and dropped them off. And then we were able to have like a nice little chat and connect with each other in person rather than just over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think actually, as we've been telling the story, it's occurred to me that this is actually a really great um, like metaphor 
for for what we've been talking about um because it's like the connection like the fact that you and I had that connection was what allowed those smoothies to be passed on to another friend and That's kind of true. like have that like that flow of of maybe not intentional care but care nonetheless <laughs> go from one person who doesn't know the the person who finally received those smoothies um yeah I love that story <laughs> No, I, I'm glad it worked out. That's even better. That's like the story that just keeps going. Cause yeah. Um yeah, no, I, I I'm glad obviously like that I don't know, it, it just worked out, I guess. Um, but it's I was just completely like, why am I so aloof? Like why did I just order and I felt so bad for the skip person because I was I wasn't like angry, Aww. but I was frustrated. I was like, why are you telling me that? this is happening I, I yeah like gaslit or something I was just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the mystery uh, was solved the mystery was solved and that actually brings us to a close because maybe that was romance because remember the definition of romance has oh my goodness <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> was it romance um yeah but yeah I so that that is our first episode. We're still feeling ourselves out, um, knowing the window. Because well, maybe there is because it's pandemic and we're all locked down. We're all feeling ourselves. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to more. We'll have more kind of themed uh, discussions and episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. What are you What are you looking forward to? Oh, um, I'm just looking forward to exploring topics that really aren't covered that often in the mainstream and bringing them to community in a way where it's it's accessible and it's relatable and that sort of thing. Like basically just having this podcast. I am mm -hmm. completely open to all the possibilities, but um, I think actually I'm really interested to see um, or I guess here um, on topics of like uh, asexuality and mm -hmm. and how that figures into love and romance and that sort of thing. Cause I, I personally don't know very much and I'm really interested in um, open to learning and, and wanna help bring that forward. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not an often talked about um, topic. And I, I'm personally excited, like, I don't know, like, like I don't want to reveal the guest because we, we actually need to record that yeah. first, <laughs> but um, I am interested in, in, in polyamory, um, especially for, um, we're not going to use the word old people, we're going to use older generation. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, like, that's something that's definitely not talked about and that it should be, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah so we're, we're, we're both gonna be learning um i'm gonna get more wild with the puns i think so perfect yes but i would say that's a wrap yeah i'd say so yeah okay one two three okay and then we can keep talking and i'll just edit this out <laughs> so. oh wait well, we can do an outro. An outro? Oh, like... Yeah. Uh, so we can be like, thank you for joining us on our podcast, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, on three, two, one, go. So, um, merci everyone for joining us on our podcast. We look forward to talking about more exciting topics with um, some very special guests and uh, we hope you'll join us for next time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to hosting our guests, learning together, um, laughing with each other. Um, I'm This is exciting because um, I'm here with one of my amazing friends and we're going to have amazing guests. Um, um, 
Jumpa episod depan. Merci.